Words matter. They can change the course of your day. Just listen. You are brave. You are stronger than you think. You have value, worth, and dignity. Don't you feel better already? Welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast. Join author and board-certified life coach Janelle Reardon as she opens a very important conversation about the power of our words. Hello and welcome to Speak Healing Words, the podcast, the Christmas edition. I am Janelle, your host for our conversation on a woman's greatest gift. Christmas is actually two weeks from today. That's right, 14 days and counting. And as we spoke about in episode 18, A Woman's Greatest Gift, Christmas can often become stressmas, especially when it comes to family and relationships. I offered this question, what do you think a woman's greatest gift to her sphere of influence might be? Many of you answered, and they were great answers. I shared my humble opinion, and I believe after years of study and research and ministry and clients, I have concluded that a woman's greatest gift to God, to herself, to her family, to her community, to her church, to her workplace, etc., is, drumroll please, emotional health. I feel it really important to qualify my basis for that conclusion. As I said last week, five years ago, 10 years ago, I'm going to say maybe even two years ago, I knew very, very, very little about the subject of emotional health. Growing up in a Catholic church in a dysfunctional alcoholic home And then being in the Judeo-Christian worldview and practicing in Western church, I really didn't hear a lot about the subject of emotions, emotional health, emotional healing. I've heard a great deal about physical healing, for sure. But when it came to feelings, yeah feelings. I feel this. I feel that. Many times, more often than not, they were dismissed with someone offering me a scripture, someone offering me, you should have more devotional time, spend more time with God, develop your quiet time, all really important spiritual practices. Never going to hear me say anything different. But when it came to having a real understanding and an emotional language in which to speak and navigate, as experts say, 34,000 emotions, I really had no clue. None at all. So after my first book and then returning to get my master's in counseling and then a board certification and life coaching and 22 hours in trauma and studies and certifications. Oh my goodness, study, 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 which involved a whole lot of introspection and prayer and thought and discussion with friends and family. I just have to feel, I feel so strongly 
that emotional health and understanding, having a language that actually equips me to say what I am absolutely feeling and say it in a manner that is healthy, respectable to the ones that I'm speaking to was something I had to learn. And I am pounding, can you hear me? <laughs> pounding the table for now and for the rest of my life to train and teach and speak and write about this necessary realm of our spiritual life because I truly believe, and go ahead and debate me, I would love it. I truly believe that until we have emotional health, Scripture might call that, or not might, Scripture calls that maturity. Until I am no longer feeding on milk like a babe and I am eating, you know, the real food of adults, until I start behaving like an adult and not like a child, as Paul tells us, when I was a child, I acted like a child, but now I am an adult and I need and ought to act like an adult. He was calling us to maturity. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 11. We are called to a lifelong process In theology, we call it sanctification. In counseling, we just call it movement forward, maturity, progress, practice, and strength, resilience, growth. We want to live from a position of a growth mindset. Ankara Empara, as Michelangelo, the great artist and sculptor, committed his life to always learning always growing. And so that's my founded belief that emotional health is my, your, our greatest gift to God, to self, and to everyone in our sphere of influence. For when we possess this emotional health, We can walk into our homes and our family gatherings, our church gatherings, our church services, our athletic events, our community events, our workplaces, our sidelines of athletic fields. We walk in from a very different place when we're committed to being a healthy human being. Committed to that three-full cord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity. A healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. That three-full cord, when it is operating and binding and twisting and turning in our life, boy, it cannot be easily broken. Oh, yes. We will have emotion. There's no negative emotion. There's only negative ways to manage our emotions. Anger. God gave us anger. He gave us healthy anger. He tells us, be angry and sin not. What does that mean, my friends? 
That means that I know how to control my anger. My anger does not control me. And let me tell you, there was a very long season in my life when anger controlled me. Just ask my children. Ask my husband. Oh, on second count, don't ask. I have since been called to accountability and I have done the work. I have gone and gotten help. I have talked to mentors. I've gone to counseling. I've studied myself. I've cried through many, many prayers and God now helps me. I control my anger. It does not control me. What about yelling? Yelling is an affect of anger, isn't it? It is when we feel out of control. I'm going to be talking this Thursday on Janelle Reardon Book Club on Facebook about yelling, the anatomy of yelling, because I I truly feel that it's Christmas, stressmas, and probably a whole lot of yelling might be going on. So I wanted to really dissect it. My husband and I had a rich conversation about it, and I cannot wait to share the findings. Also, we cannot do this alone. Today's word is community. Take that word apart, C-O-M-M, put that in parentheses, and then the rest of that word is unity. So community is with unity. We cannot heal alone. I've heard that and studied that so many times. Wendell Berry says this, persons cannot be whole alone. Boy, have I learned that in a deep way over the last five to six, maybe seven years. And last week I started reading from the Barna Group's um, women, Wonder Women in their Frames collection, where the Barna Group is a research group and they do excellent work. And they wrote this series called Frames, and this one is on Wonder Women. And in this chapter on women and friendships, they write, Sadly, for many women today, this communal identity is a crucial missing piece of their lives. Less than half of all women, 42%, strongly agree they are connected to a strong support network of family and friends. And this number at 29% is even lower among men. And well, we know women are gatherers. Uh, historically, biblically, we are gatherers. We tend to come together far more, especially I would say, I'm going out on a limb here in the spirit realm, in our faith community, more than men. They continue, this not only means the majority of women lack practical community support because it was under 50%, so less than half, such as having others to help by watching kids, running errands, or cooking a meal. It also means women are navigating complex choices and priorities without the relational support of others. Let me read that again. Excuse me. So sorry. 
Women are navigating complex choices and priorities without the relational support of others. Proverbs 15 verse 22 warns against this. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. The study continues, but even more fundamentally, this widespread communal poverty, I love that phrase, I love and hate it, I should say, I just love the way they're framing that, is problematic because it mars our identity as image bearers of God, imago Dei. From creation, we know, now we've talked long and hard in our Speak Healing Words community and in my newest book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, about our Genesis 2-7 beginning, about that moment in time when God breathed his very nature, his triunal nature, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. God breathed his community breath into us. We know the very triune God's nature is all about community. Genesis 1.26 explicitly affirms this. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. It's a plural pronoun, isn't it? God is not one, but three in one, as the creed teaches us. As such, God is not an autonomous individual. No man is an island. God is not an island. God is a triune being, living in constant communion, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God's not an autonomous individual in the way we conceive of modern individualism. And scripture assures us neither are we. We are thoroughly relational, communal beings. Side note here, I interject, even the most introverted of us in our deepest beings needs to know that we belong somewhere, that if we were not present, we would be missed. Oh, goodness. Somebody right now might be listening. Maybe you feel so alone. Christmas brings out something fierce (laughs) if we don't feel like we belong somewhere. Well, I want you to know you have value, worth, and dignity, and you do belong somewhere. So I want you to open your hands, open your eyes, increase your capacity. Just say, God, lead me, guide me, walk beside me, show me a place where I can be. Being a relational communal being is hardwired into us. Dr. Kirk Thompson, truly one of my favorite psychiatrists, Christian psychiatrist, the author of Anatomy of the Soul and the Soul of Shame, studies this relational hardwiring as it is revealed in neurobiology. He observes that even from our smallest infancy, our brains grow and develop properly only in response to neurobiological cues and exchanges with other brains, other people. Oh my goodness, this is so critical. 
And this brings me back to how critical community is. And then not only for women to be personally committed to the threefold cord of emotional health and spiritual authenticity, authenticity, but corporately as a community be committed to that threefold cord. I have been so blessed in my life to be part of a faith community, a community of women who have said, we want authentic friendship. We want authentic community, the type of community written about in one of my favorite passages in the Bible in Acts 16, where Lydia and her girls are meeting on the riverfront and they are worshiping God. They are learning together. And all of a sudden, because of their unity, up walks Paul and the mighty apostles and they have a conversation and Lydia begs them to come back to her home in Philippi and they do and they stay for days and hence the first church of Philippi started by a woman commenced. Those women were gathering. They were influential. And because of their emotional health, I truly believe it. Amidst them, there was no jealousy, no comparison, no, I need to be more important than you and I'm going to do whatever I can to be more important than you. There was no self ego. And if it was, because you know, it's going to be there. (laughs) It's going to be present. We are clothed in flesh. We are human beings. But when your heart is set on the pilgrimage of emotional health, you are very, very quick to control that green-eyed monster of jealousy. Okay, so let's just pause for a moment. What does that look like? What does that look like? You walk into a room of women. You feel unnoticed. You feel lost. You feel like, Nobody sees me. Nobody cares if I'm here. Well, first and foremost, we can't tell what other women are thinking. I can't read minds and nor do I want that gift. (laughs) I do not want it. I'm empathic enough to sense emotion and sense the emotional temperature of the persons in my room around me, but I do not want to be able to read their mind. And so when... I start to have an unhealthy cycle of these negative thoughts. Nobody loves me. Nobody sees me. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, they're real. To you, they're real. But if you are doing the work and the practice, as I've outlined in Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story, or on all of the materials that are available on JanelleReardon.com, as I sent you through my e-newsletter, all of these resources ground you and call you to this place, this grounded place of emotional health, which will look like in your daily life what I call, what scientists and psychologists and psychiatry and mental health call secure attachment. 
I am secure. I have value, worth, and judgment. Uh, I have value, worth, and honor. Dignity. I know that God sees me, that God knows where I am, who I am, and that's enough. So then I don't have to retreat into self-pity, but I can come to this room of women looking, seeking to be a blessing to someone else in the room. I then will be brave enough, even if I'm shaking in my boots, I will be brave enough to walk up to someone, maybe even a stranger, and introduce myself and say, hi, I am Janelle, and I'm so glad to be here, and I'm so glad to meet you. That's really how it starts. It's that hard, and it's that simple. So Lydia and her band of women, her Speak Healing Words community, they, I am sure, did heartlifting work in order to make themselves have that spirit of unity. I'm so grateful that I, like I said, I'm involved in a faith community where a group of women is committed to that. And we meet, uh, we were meeting once a quarter. We're going to be meeting the last Sunday of January. And you can find all those details on my Facebook page. We'd love to have you if you're local. If not, stay tuned. We have conferences coming to you where you can experience a heart-lifting community that truly exhibits our threefold cord. We do. We're working on it. We're practicing it. We're committed to it. It's so glorious. I cannot express how glorious that is. So in the frame in Wonder Women, Barna Research Group, adds this to our conversation now. There are practical explanations for friendships low priority among women. It's you can read, I didn't I'm not going through all of the factors of friendship, but there are many uh, many of the findings in this research show that friendships will rarely take the place of family as a primary source of emotional support or weekly time investment. But friendships are a vital form of community. It is important to make time to develop and sustain them in spite of busy lives and busy schedules. Still, to suggest this covenantal framework only pertains to personal relationships is to miss a key aspect of how community informs, oh, please listen, our identity, calling, and work. Community is as much about place as it is about people. Of the identity crisis that plagues modern life, Wendell Berry writes, the lost identity would find itself by recognizing physical landmarks, by connecting itself responsibly to practical circumstances. It would learn to stay put in the place in which preference or history or accident has brought it. In short, finding itself by finding its work. You know, there's an old, I think it's either Amish or Mennonite or, hmm, but wherever, well, it's scriptural for sure. Wherever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And then there's another one, just uh, many hands make light work. 
wherever your hand, wherever your feet are placed. This is Wendell Berry saying, wherever your feet are placed, by preference or history or accident, hmm, you will find a sense of purpose and identity. Oh, I love that so much. And I could go on and on and on and on. But in a nutshell, hmm, how then in this very hyperactive, busy, stressmas time? Now, I admitted last week, this is not as stressmas for me as it was when my children were little and involved in a million activities. But trust me, I don't, re- I don't forget how crazy I was at all rushing after teaching, you know, a full day of dance at my dance studio that I owned and rushing, changing clothes and rushing and making sure I don't miss my little first grader, Candace Rose Raritan's little angelic appearance in her Christmas play. I was sweating. What if I don't make it in time? So I remember that. And so that's what I speak today. That's why I share this today to just remind you Oh, please, let me call back to you. In the middle of all of the busyness, the rushing and the hushing and the, oh, maybe some cussing, right? Yelling, I don't know. Take some time to savor. Because I just told, a a young woman was speaking to me this week and She's like, it's just been such a bad year. We don't have any money to buy any of the presents that my kids want. What am I going to do? I'm going to disappoint them. And I let her talk. And and I know what I had to say was not well digested and not easy to hear. But in hindsight, all three of my children, I really believe they're, you know, 32 and the twins are 28. I believe their greatest memories were not the presents they got under the tree. Mm, I think I'm right. It would be the sweet memories of playing a game by the fireplace or, you know, making Christmas cookies or fill in the blank. They usually were the simplest of memories. I feel like you need to hear that today, moms, especially you moms with children still living in the home. The greatest memories of all is a mother at peace in her heart, a mother who is making the simplest of things joyful, peaceful, and happy. Yes, the greatest gift that you, my dear friend, can give to anyone in your sphere of influence is being a woman of peace and stability, security, someone who people feel safe being around, someone who just want to sit and be, people want to be with you. They don't need to do anything with you. They just want to be with you because you are a peaceful person, a person who offers them a drink of savoring. So as we close, I have this beautiful blessing I want to read to you. So if you're driving, please do not close your eyes. But if you're not driving and you can close your eyes, I want you to do so. This is an exercise from a beautiful book by um, the lovely, lovely Christine Valters Paintner. 
She is the author of The Artist Rule. You may have heard her for that, but this is a book called The Wisdom of the Body, A Contemplative Journey to Wholeness for Women. Oh, do I love this book. So here we go. This is a psalm for savoring. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Go ahead, take another one. Enough is enough. It is way too much doing, thinking, producing. And thinking about doing more when it may be time to do less, to be less, to lessen. And here is the lesson. You have already produced more beauty, generosity, and work through one creative endeavor or another for several lifetimes. Not to mention children you have raised, parents you have attended to, gardens you have planted, literally and metaphorically, and brought more people, projects, and passions to ripening than can be counted. You are past counting, and now it is time to be countless, and perhaps to be a countess. Relax into a place of knowing that you have already done enough, and now is the time to savor. Savor all the ways you have worked with your whole heart and loved with your whole heart. Mothers, fathers, siblings, friends, children, lovers, spouses, and even those who have left your life through natural or unnatural causes. Accept all your luxurious beauty of soulfulness that is wrapped around those you hold in your heart and all the effort you have made to follow meaning in the world through work, words, worries, and wantings. Vibrate with all that is going through you, the rise and fall of internal waves, crashes of questions, hormonal fluctuations in a sea of ripenings. Own both your shortcomings and accomplishments, which means to name and rename what you truly have done. Don't dismiss it in light of living into the unknown. Others own all your wonder. It is time for you to own it too. Relinquish the need to be superwoman or superman. Have a funeral for doing too much and celebrate not doing in some way. Enjoy being and know you are being formed into a wise one. You are being called to drink from the cup of serene. Each gesture, an act of love, a counteraction to a world of overdoing. An addiction to doing one more thing. When all along the love in your eyes, the way you behold who and what you love, is the fragrance of the one who gave the beautiful scent of you. Thank you, Celeste Snover, for that beautiful blessing of savoring. That's what I have for you today. I pray that you remember you have value, worth, and dignity, and that you belong to God. And he sees you, he loves you, he knows right where you are, And he blesses you right now. I will see you next week. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleReardon.com.